Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Matt the Hatch with Matt Green. How you doing, Matt? How's it going, Marvin? Long time, no talk. Yeah, well, you know, if you're the bug guy and it's the wintertime, there's not a lot to talk about, right? <laughs> uh, I guess that's true. Bug guy's also been busy, so <laughs> doing bug stuff. Yeah, and you're in the home stretch, right? You were telling me you're going to be done with your PhD probably in the late spring. Yeah, or early summer. You know, you really finish once you give your dissertation proposal seminar or a defense is what people call it. And you're really done once you do that. That'll probably be sometime in in June here. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, we were talking, and we'll get to the true bug stuff here in a second, but uh, you're heading to Argentina, and it's actually kind of cool because you're, I suspect you'll fish a little bit, but it's really, really a bug bug trip, right? That's both, but uh, doing a lot more sampling than they've probably ever done on some of their river systems. And uh, we'll be on the Mejeo and the Timoween and one other, I don't remember the name of it right offhand, but. Uh, these are uh, in Patagonia. Yeah. Very cool. So, you know, obviously it's win- it's wintertime and uh, people think about BWOs. And you were telling me before we started recording that it's really more than just blueing dollars. You want to kind of take it from there and kind of tell folks about the family and um, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, folks, remember, when we talk about family, we're not – in at least in biology, we're not really talking about, um, you know, your family or my family or my next of kin or anything like that. Although uh, at the family level of organization in biology, many of the organisms are related to each other, um, and relatedness is a is a part of it. But uh, they're not they're not a uh, you know sister species or they're not uh you know very close cousin species and what we mean by that is that they're very highly related um there are some species within a family that are very distantly related so it's not like this is uh these are all insects that came from the same population or the same not even the same place it's just a group of um of related species that can be distant or closely related. So keep that in mind uh, when we talk about the word family. And, and that's important to keep in mind with uh, the B2B is the family of blue-wing olives because we have lots and lots of different genera and lots and lots of different species. And some are closely related and some aren't. I think it's a public service announcement, Marvin, to talk about Betis, or some fly fishermen say betis, because not all betis or betis are beaded or beaded. Uh, you know, I think that's a mistake we a lot of us make, and I made for a very, very long time before I became a serious entomologist. And you know, and that's kind of important. It really is because the common name is blueing olive, and that really does apply well to almost all species and members of the family. But the term betis or betis does not apply well to all those members, and that's because betis, the true blue wing olive, 
and the main representative of this family follow those uh, those morphological characters and those color characters we associate with blue wing olives. Uh, the nymphs generally very small. Uh, anywhere <laughs> the early instars can be a twenty four or a twenty two or a twenty. Uh, the later instars are generally an eighteen. Earlier instars are cream colored, sometimes with a slight olive tint. Uh, later on, they're more olive or tan olive, uh, very similar to the adults. Yeah, the adults, which are olive, sometimes tan. The males and females, the subamagos or subadults, are generally the same color. But the amagos, which have the clear wings that we've talked about in prior podcasts, Marvin, uh, the males can be uh, gray body, they can be red body, they can be black body, I mean, many different colors that you can tie the spinner in. Females generally uh, more kind of amber to off red, sometimes pink. You know, so they're pretty consistent, but the males can be multiple different colors depending on the species within Betus. Uh, but those are the true colors of the blueing olive. And, you know, that olive color comes from the subamago. You know, the, the nymph that's emerging, that's going to ride the surface of the water that the fish sees just after emergence with dun wings, typically, or tan, okay? And some of these betus uh, subamagos can be uh, a 16, sometimes an 18, sometimes a 20, <laughs> And it just depends on the species, really, Marvin. Um, sometimes it depends on uh, the time of year. Uh, typically in the summer, uh, betas are going to be a little bit smaller, and that's because they're developing a good bit quicker in the spring, and uh, and they reach a smaller body size in the summer just because water temperatures are a little bit warmer. But in the early spring and the winter, they're typically a good bit larger sometimes a 16 or an 18 or even maybe bordering a 15 if you want to get in the European hook sizes. And that's because they're taking a little bit uh, longer to develop because water temps are colder. Uh, many beads and beads in general are multi-volting. That means they have multiple generations a year that typically overlap. And so they'll emerge all year round. And, and that's why they're really great to have in your fly box because you can see them on almost any day. Uh, you can see them on rainy days. You can sometimes see them on bright sunny days in the summer, especially. Not so much as in the winter. They typically show up on those colder, cooler days, sometimes overcast, sometimes rainy. I've no, I've seen them pour off uh, in those circumstances. They'll emerge in snow and ice, 35 degree Air temps, very cold water temps, they'll come off on tailwater rivers and some of our free stones in the southeast. Um, typically, I've seen them, the bulk of the emergence on places like South Holston and Watauga around March and April prior to the Granum Caddis, but after the right during or after the major emergencies in February and early March is when the bulk of them will come off. And those are normally 55 to 50, maybe 45 degree days, um, cloudy, scattered showers, the conditions that you'll see. 
Uh, some of the other genera that you you may see are Acetrella, which includes this really, really small mayfly, um, uh, Pseudocloion, which, you know, um, people used to refer to all the time as pseudos, but they've been synonymized or now they're included. That just means somebody decided uh, somewhere who's a taxonomic authority that they're the same genus or they're, they're extremely closely related to another genus. So we're just going to call it the same name. So Pseudocloion have been synonymized as Acentrella. Uh, those mayflies, if you really want to get technical about it, have a very reduced hind wing. Um, almost all the beaded have a reduced hind wing. And so they have real prominent forewings as uh, subadults and adults. But the, the hind wing is just a, a nub. And that's a big difference compared to other mayfly uh, families because those hind wings are normally a good bit bigger, either a quarter to a half the size of the forewing. Uh, placed internal uh, to the body from the forewing. So when you look at the, the organism, the forewing is what you see on the outside, that big, beautiful circle. And the hind wing is interior to that wing. So you'd have to actually fold them out to see it. So not a lot of people know that there, there are two wings there on all these mayflies, that the hind wings are greatly reduced relative to the forewings. Another genus that you might see is heterocloion. Uh, those are uh, those tend to be more cream-colored uh, nymphs, um, cream-colored adults too. At times, uh, they tend to be in warmer rivers, in cool waters, and cold waters throughout the southeast. But the southeast, but you're going to find them in the summer, Marvin. That's the big thing. It really, you work out a beat it. Uh, as you go through the summer and you transition into heterocloion, uh, this gene is called Ishweon, which is another cream-colored uh, beaded. Claudidus, which is another cream-colored beaded, uh, beaded, excuse me, and Procloion, at least in the southeast. Uh, there's Calabinus, which can be found in, in western lakes and eastern lakes and ponds in uh, slow-water wetlands towards the Blackwater areas of the coastal plain in, in some parts of the, uh, the Carolina Piedmont, Virginia, and Maryland Piedmont. Uh, so those are also fun things to fish and, and put on. Cream-colored, if I didn't say that, can't remember. Size 14, they tend to be a little bit bigger. Uh, they, the adults have a kind of mottled wings, uh, so easy to imitate. You can use uh, bars a gray CDC or done CDC for that effect. I used to be able to buy bars CDC at hairline dubbin and then they discontinued it. I have no idea. It just, just seems to be a little ex on the expensive end, Marvin, unfortunately. And so that's a, a great thing to use if you can get your hands on it. Uh, and the bodies tend to be gray, kind of light dun colored. Uh, sometimes kind of a, a light blue to cream. Yeah. yeah, very neat. And, you know, obviously when we talk BWOs, people, you know, think about the dry fly fishing. You know, how do you like to like to fish for them? Well, I, I like to fish for them it's the same way that uh, we, we talked about previously with my downwing done or kind of puff daddy variant with 
it's, it's the fly with the, the Byatt body and a, and a CDC wing. You tie it the same way we've talked about in the past. Uh, and you just match the, the Byatt color to the body of the insects you see coming off and the, the wing color, or the CDC color to that as well. And like I, I hope I drove down the point, you know, there can be many different colors uh, and, you know, body styles to these insects and sizes. You know, be this isn't the all to be all. On a lot of the tailwaters, it is. But on the freestone rivers and creeks, especially as you work into the summer, you just have many more different genera. And so you go from a, like a typical blueing olive of an olive body as a dun uh, with dun wings or gray wings to a cream colored dun or even a very, very light olive, not a true green or even yellow body as a dun to dun wing or light gray wing. Or even if you can really find it like a like a white cream colored wing is uh, the adult. You know those those beetles are the true dun colors, but and and some of the Acetrella kind of fit that mold. Uh, one thing I didn't say is that they can have bodies that are almost uh, like lavender in color. Or kind of a like a light blue, and they'll typically show themselves from March, April, May, and then cut off. Uh, at least here in the southeast, northeast they may last a little bit longer on larger tailwaters. Uh, but the heterochloion, the uh, the Plagidus, the Labiobius, the Ischion, the Procleon, those are cream colored for the most part showing up later in the summer and you're going to have to have those around. Um, Lower South Holston has lots of plodinus in the summer. Not many people know about that and they're cream color and the fish get picky and you may not catch any if you, if you they get real picky and selective on them. Got it. And do you, do you like to do anything special in your nymph game for them? I mean, you can alternate the colors of the nymphs summer you can really switch to more cream colored or kind of light olive tint uh, where you know the olives are emerging. And I'll do that sometimes but a lot of times in the summer Marvin I'm more concerned about other nymphs than I am blueing olives. I'll fish olives as done but I don't really do much with them on, with larvae or nymphs. Um, and that's and that's because I'm working on sulfurs and that kind of stuff and serratella and uh, more ephemeral nymphs than anything. The you know the, the scorpion nymphs is ephemerella, and most ephemerellids have a stereotypical scorpion posture that they have, where they actually raise their abdomen and they raise it back, where it looks like a scorpion getting ready to sting you. We talked about that at some point. I don't think we ever have just true ephemeralids which include the sulfurs, the Hendricksons, the Ceratella mayflies, uh, Telegonopsis, the Darth Vader mayflies. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't ever talked about those, but um, you know, Darth Vader's are jet black. Uh, t- typically, we'll follow 
the um, uh, the green drakes in the northeast is a very fishable emergence during the middle of the day, uh, 11 to 1 p.m., kind of mirroring the, the Drenella uh, emergences of the east. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And, and you know, yeah. yeah and when, you know, folks, we love questions at the articulate fly and, you know, Matt loves answering your questions and you can drop them in the comments on our social media posts. You can DM us on Facebook or Instagram, or you can shoot us an email and, you know, can't make any promises, but we're usually pretty good when people ask questions, either to do an entire report about the question or to work it into something. Right, Matt? Sure thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I know you're leaving soon to uh, go to the Southern Hemisphere. You know, safe travels. Thank you, Mormon. The, the, the key message from what we've said, folks, if you want to boil it down, is to there is a lot more diversity in the bluing olive group than there are just those typical olive color patterns. So just keep that in mind. Well, there you go. Well, listen, tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Matt. Oh, it lines more than take care.